Our communion meditation is from Hosea. So it's Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. And Hosea is the first of the minor prophets, so he's right after Daniel. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, and with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, You are my people, and they shall say, You are my God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which is just filled with mercy and yet not absent of justice. And at times, you must apply the justice to this earth and to your people. Rebuke them for their hard hearts, for their uh, faithlessness. And yet always, you have buried in uh, all throughout your word the promise of the gospel, the promise that you would provide salvation, that you would provide all that is needed. We thank you, Lord, that this is the case. We pray that you would now uh, open our hearts to understand this word uh, from so long ago. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, Hosea is the first of the minor prophets. There are 14 of those books, and Hosea has 14 chapters. So it's an easy way to remember the start of the minor prophets. Right after Daniel, Hosea 14, 14. So now, he prophesied during the final decades before the collapse and during the collapse of the northern kingdom. And so he prophesied for decades to various kings of Judah and even more kings of Israel. It's Hosea that married, was told to marry a prostitute. So then he married this woman, Gomer, and she had uh, three children to Hosea that we'll talk about in a bit. Our text begins with, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. Righteousness, justice, loving kindness, mercy, faithfulness. That's what this verse is about. That's what the text is about. And even people who are at root very wicked and evil value all of these things in others. Selfishly, they want people to be righteous towards them. They want people to be just towards them. They want them to even be loving, kind toward them, merciful towards them, faithful towards them. And so by their valuing these human characteristics, they're demonstrating that their failure to do it is wrong. They condemn themselves by what they themselves value. So, though Israel steadily declined in doing these things during the time that Haggai was prophesying, it didn't lessen their value. If anything, it heightened it. Because in a time when you have great wickedness in the land, your acts of justice, your acts of mercy will then shine forth 
That is the time that we live in, in times of declining faithfulness, declining mercy and loving kindness. And so that doesn't give us the right to act otherwise than God would have us to. We must continue to be salt and light in our communities. And that's what he had Hosea doing here. That's what God had Hosea demonstrate by taking this former prostitute and having her become his wife, demonstrating God's own love towards his people, towards his church. Let me read verses 21 and 22. It shall come to pass in that day that I will answer, says the Lord, I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. The earth shall answer with grain, with new wine, and with oil. They shall answer Jezreel. Now, you have to understand the background of this to understand what's being said here. You have to go back to understanding in Kings and Chronicles that day. I mean, I love reading this story, but it is this day when Jehu is anointed king over the northern kingdom. And he slays the king of the northern kingdom, the king of the southern kingdom, and Jezebel all in one day. It was a time of tremendous joy. Not only did he execute these evil kings, he executed all of the others that would have taken the throne in their place, all of the other evil people, both north and south. He killed lots of Ahab's family. This was a very good thing, in my opinion. I, I, mean, I mean, he was doing God's work. But then Jehu appropriated it all, all of what he'd done for God, he'd appropriated it all to himself. That brought guilt upon him and upon the land. This guilt had to be paid for, and it was, by his posterity. God said that Jehu would not have a king live beyond the fourth generation. His descendants would rule for four generations, and then God would take them out. And this, all of this, Hosea witnessed. He witnessed Jehu's rise to power and then all of these kings and the decline and the chaos that ensued after Jehu was removed. Let me pick up at that point. Verse 22 at the end. They shall answer Jezreel. So in other words, God's blessings, these blessings will answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they shall say, you are my God. Now we have to tie in Haggai, or Hosea, and Gomer's children. They had children. And this text here, I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, they shall say, you are my God. Those who were not my people, he would declare them to be his people. These may be familiar to you, and maybe not from reading Hosea. I don't know that many of us study or even read the Minor Prophets. Yet, this text is quoted twice in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 9 and in 1 Peter chapter 2. So, I want to tell you about Gomer and, and uh, Hosea's children. First, the first child was named Jezreel. This is in chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. I won't read it. I'll just refer to it. First, the son was born to Hosea. And 
I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel in the house of Jehu. That is what was given when Jezreel was born. The daughter, Lohurema, her name means not pitied. And what was pronounced when she was born is God said, I will no longer have mercy on Israel. Then whenever the third child was born, Loami, not my people. That's what that name means, not my people. God was saying, you are not my people, and I will not extend mercy to you anymore because of the blood of Jezreel. So he's bringing judgment upon the whole northern kingdom. But what I just read shows that the, though the judgment will still fall, there is eventually a blessing that's coming. The blessings from God shall answer Jezreel, so cover over the guilt of that sin, shall account for it, and then says, I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. That was the daughter. The daughter's name was not pitied. In other words, not having mercy on her. And yet now, I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. And then the last son was not my people. That was his name. I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. So in this one couple of chapters here, we see God bringing judgment upon a, upon a whole society yet to come. And they did fall. They fell to the Assyrians, and they were taken into captivity. Yet he also promised that there would be a return of these people. God's blessing would return to them. God extended abundant mercy to them, over centuries of mercy to them, as they continually rejected him through their sacrifices to pagan idols and to regard these golden calves as God himself. And yet they did, through this syncretism, they did still think themselves to be serving the true God. And what's interesting is that God still accepted that in part because he had mercy upon them repeatedly over these centuries. Even though their religion had fallen so far away from what would have been, you'd think, acceptable by God, but yet, as long as there was this vestige of his promise in their lives, he kept blessing them, kept forgiving them. So God blessed them greatly, even though they had abandoned him. And yet, that often happens in the church, and we see it happening in our day. God abandoning, uh, or the people abandoning the church, and yet God remaining true. God not abandoning them. And yet, times of judgment come, and they may well come to us. And yet, though God judges, and he has every right to do so, there's almost always a promise throughout Scripture of what is really in his heart, how much he loves us, how much he forgives us, how much he will protect us from the eternal judgment to come. And so that's what the table's all about. Every week we come, every week we sin. And yet God accepts us. He brings us to this table, forgives us of our sins, draws us close to himself. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. Um, it is filled with examples of your mercy. And it is so often uh, extended to the people in question uh, long after any earthly king or power would have ever considered extending mercy. So, Lord, we thank you for the fact that your mercy is so much more powerful, so much more effective, and you are so much more long-suffering with evil. And yet, Lord, we ourselves do cry out for justice, 
yet we do also uh, cry out for mercy. Your mercy uh, blesses us as well as uh, the many evil in the land in which we live. And so we do ask you, Lord, to continue to uh, fill this land with your mercy and that your Holy Spirit would uh, draw people to himself. We give you thanks for this uh, opportunity that we have to enter more closely into your presence, uh, to benefit from your abundant grace. In Christ's name, amen.